Hierarchy, order, and discipline are three of the pillars of Brazil's armed forces. But they have been shattered by President Jair Bolsonaro, who brought his former health minister, Army General Eduardo Pazuello, along with him to a political rally late in May. Fala, galera! Military law forbids active officers from taking part in political demonstrations, and Pazuello could potentially have faced jail time for marching alongside the president. But he got off scot-free, thanks to pressure from the presidential palace on the army command. Despite being issued from the barracks himself, President Jair Bolsonaro is far from being a model military officer. In the late 80s, he was kicked out of the army for writing opinionated articles complaining about military salaries and even planned a series of bombing attacks at military facilities to make his demands heard. Though there were no explosives involved this time around, Bolsonaro's latest disregard for military rules could have much more severe consequences, as the stakes involved could not be higher. Brazil is fractured by political division. Bolsonaro is hemorrhaging support and is set to battle his political nemesis, former President Lula, at the ballot box next year. Amid Bolsonaro's threats that he would not accept the results of a potential electoral defeat, seeing the army cave to his will on a legal matter is very worrisome indeed. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Earlier this year, President Jair Bolsonaro caused Brazil's worst military crisis since the 70s by firing the heads of all three armed forces as they planned to issue a joint resignation. This caused some concern in Brazil with the general public wondering exactly what the president was up to. Since taking office in 2019, Bolsonaro has casually placed thousands of military officers within the ranks of his administration, and he has constantly advocated for increased salaries and better pensions for the armed forces. Many see these moves as a way to buy the loyalty of the troops, having them on side in case he wanted to attempt a power grab. As we have shown in multiple reports, the spheres are still prevalent, even among members of Congress and the Supreme Court. By getting Eduardo Pazuello off the hook, Bolsonaro is going one step further. Beatriz Hay is a research fellow at the Center for Latin American and Latino Studies at the American University in Washington, D.C. She also writes every week for the Brazilian Report. Beatriz, Thanks for returning to the show. Please, if you can, <laughs> explain to the listeners what should have happened to Eduardo Pazuello according to Brazilian law. What should have happened according to the military statute Article 45 is that no active duty officer can take part in any type of public assembly or demonstration of a political or protest nature. And that's exactly what uh, former minister uh, and active General Eduardo Pazuello did. Uh, he participated in a rally that was in support of President Bolsonaro. 
there's a lot of interpret- legal interpretation going on in this case, Gustavo, because uh, what the what the what the Planalto is saying, what the government is saying, is that uh, another another legal apparatus for the military, which is the army's disciplinary rules, not the military statutes, it opens the possibility for uh, manifestations of this sort if it has prior authorization. And in this case, uh, because President Jair Bolsonaro, who is the commander-in-chief, authorized, that's their argument, authorized uh, General Pazuelo to to participate, uh, then he would not have broken the law. So you can see how it depends on um, really the, the there is some 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 room there for discussion and that's what the government's taking advantage of. However, uh, it has been a norm in I think in any healthy democracy in any consolidated democracy that that type of behavior from the military should not be accepted, regardless of the legal confusion. The military statute is very clear and there is a norm that this should not happen and that's what happened. Uh, last week and he did not he was not punished right he got away with it he basically participated in the rally nothing happened which opens the precedent for other military officers and the decision to not punish uh general pozuelo opens a precedent for other military officers and also police officers which uh, who are part of the auxiliary forces to engage in politicking and that is a very, very, very dangerous precedent, uh, especially in the context of the upcoming election next year, because uh, President Bolsonaro has said repeatedly that he's not going to accept the results of the election. He, last week, he, he went as far as to say that there will be no election or uh, if there is no paper ballot. Some people are debating what he meant about that. But he said something along those lines. So it's very, it's very problematic that at this point in which we have a president that might not uh, play the democratic game as he should, we have the possibility of the armed forces and the auxiliary forces participating in politics. Right. But we cannot talk about the militarization of Brazilian politics without addressing the issue of the politicization of the Brazilian military. And that trend predates Bolsonaro, right? So I think that uh, we have talked about this in the past, Gustavo, just about how many of the trends that we are observing in Brazilian democracy right now precede uh, the Bolsonaro administration. What we see is that they have been intensified during his his government. And I think that's one of them. Uh, If we go back to 2018, for instance, uh, when we had uh, the commander Eduardo Villas-Boas going on Twitter and giving his opinion about former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, there you already see uh, uh, how the, the 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 armed forces were interfering with politics in ways that um, in a in a democracy that you have a separation between military and civilian politics, it should not happen. So it definitely precedes Bolsonaro, and we can go back and back in time. Uh, but I think what his government did was intensify that. In what way? In many ways, I think. First of all, in terms of having more uh, uh, officers, military officers as part of the government, uh, the presented report has talked about uh, how, for instance, one third of uh, the 46 federal control companies uh, in 11 cabinet positions are led by military officers. Um, that is, is something new in the period after democratization. 
uh, not the the presence of the military officers, but the amount, right? How much of Bolsonaro's administration is composed of military officers? Uh, but also in terms of the benefits that the government has provided to the military, uh, last week we heard from POE that the government is thinking about uh, it's creating a scholarship focused on um, military uh, people who come from the military. Uh, I think it's called Propex Defesa and Pro Strategy. Uh, but just the amount of money that has been put into these scholarships is a lot more than what we see in the regular scholarships through the to the education track. Um, so I think it's not just the participation of uh, the military and the government, but how much the military is gaining um, from having Bolsonaro in office. And I think we need to take th these two sides into account. I saw many people comparing what happened in Brazil to an incident that took place in the U.S. last year. In June 2020, Mark Milley, the top U.S. military general, was criticized for taking part in a photo op alongside Donald Trump, which involved the clearing of peaceful protesters. Milley later apologized for what he did. So how comparable are these two events? I think the case is uh, we can compare them, if not for nothing else, just to, to illustrate what norms mean, right? Uh, if you ask an American who studies the military in the U.S. whether uh, President Trump or President Biden or any president for that matter could overrule a decision by the armed forces, the answer will be yes, he can, but he should not. And so here we see the importance of the norm, right? The norm between uh, that, that regulates the relationship between civil, civil and military in the U.S. democracy. And I think the case uh, that you just mentioned about President Trump illustrates that uh, there was uh, a decision at that moment to participate in the in the event that President Trump, or not even an event, but whatever, <laughs> the, the, the situation that President Trump asked them to. And then there was, uh, they, they decided to apologize uh, because they shouldn't have, right? First of all, they can. And second, there is the norm that the military should not interfere with politics. Uh, so again, to that, all that to reiterate that regardless of the legal disputes that I've just described, that the government is trying to make the point that uh, because Bolsonaro is the commander in chief and he could have authorized that Bolsonaro, then sorry, uh, General Pozuelo would not have broken the law, despite that legal debate, the norm is it should not have happened. Bolsonaro said in 2019 that democracy and freedom only exist in Brazil because the armed forces allow it. That was an outrageous statement, of course, but here we are, in 2021, discussing whether the armed forces could step in and intervene with the democratic electoral process if it doesn't go as they plan. Was Bolsonaro right when he said what he said? That's a very interesting question. Um, and I think... Um so in political science, we talk a lot, especially among those who study Latin America, just about after uh, the 80s, how much time uh, we spend talking about democratic institutions, like, for instance, in my own case, how Congress works or how the judicial branch works. And, and we just took for granted the fact that the military was still a very powerful institution. The armed forces are still a very powerful institution. But we took that for granted because... Uh, I think there was an understanding among political scientists that um, that phase was over, that stage of political development was over. And I think 
what we are observing in the case of Brazil and in other cases. We saw that in Chile, right? Uh, we saw, we see that um, in Venezuela. We see that in in many countries. Is that um, the military state still plays a powerful role? And I think that in Brazil more so in 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 the context of the southern cone. That said, I think it is important to come back to a conversation that you and I have had uh, before, just about how the transitional justice uh, processes that we had in Brazil were not adequate to deal with uh, the, presence of, the presence of the military in the democratic period, right? So if you look, for instance, of uh, what Chile did, Uruguay last week uh, decided to arrest uh, military officers involved in the dictatorship. We have never done anything like that. And to me, that is a key difference uh, in the terms of why the military is so powerful in Brazil. Yes, the military is still a very powerful institution in Latin America. Uh, but when it comes to the Southern Cone and the regimes, the military regimes that we had in that particular part of Latin America, other countries have done a much better do job of dealing with the role of the military in their democracy just by having proper uh, transitional processes, which we never did in Brazil. And we're, we're, we're looking at the consequences right now. Having the president interfering with the military hierarchy is nothing new to Brazil. A landmark case happened in 1964 and had terrible consequences for the country. We'll be right back. The Brazilian Report was launched in October 2017 to cover Brazil for foreign audiences. But thanks to the support of our subscribers, we have grown a lot since then, and we have expanded our coverage to Latin America. Now, every Wednesday, premium subscribers receive a newsletter with all of the most important political, financial, and cultural news in the region. You can try it out with our free trial and our full subscription costs less than $20 a month. Just go to brazilian.report. André Pagliarini is a History and Latin American Studies lecturer at Dartmouth College. He is currently preparing a book manuscript on 20th century Brazilian nationalism, and he's a columnist at the Brazilian Report. André, thanks for coming back to the show. Tell us, what was the 1964 Sailors' Revolt in Brazil, and how much of a factor was it in that year's military coup? The 1964 Sailors' Revolt took place in a climate of really escalating political tensions, um, arguments over which direction the country would take in really fundamental areas of the economy, of politics, uh, you know, the president at one point talked about nationalizing key industries. So this really was an important moment in which passions were really running hot. Um, on March 13th, the uh, president, João Goulart, spoke at what came to be called the Comiso das Reformas, this big demonstration in Rio, uh, where he basically embraced a series of structural reforms to attack some of the most endemic uh, problems in Brazilian society. He talked about land reform, nationalizing certain industries, a whole host of measures. Uh, soon thereafter, 
a group of young, sort of politically engaged sailors um, held their own demonstration to basically praise the president's approach. They embraced his uh, increasing assertiveness. Um, but the military high command, of course, saw this as a kind of blatant act of political engagement from the armed forces, which was not allowed. And so they ordered the arrest of some of these demonstrating sailors. About two weeks later, another political demonstration from a group of sailors meeting at the head of the metal workers union in Rio to again sort of celebrate their own political uh, agency and to call for the release of the other sailors who had been arrested. So again, it's this clearly politicized move on the part of these young sailors who are looking at the problems of the nation and saying, we have a role to play in pushing this nation forward in support of a broad reformist agenda that the president supported. The minister of the Navy, Silvio Mota, uh, immediately ordered the arrest of these uh, sailors. The problem is the forces that he sent to arrest them arrived and ended up joining the demonstration as well. So the key point here is that this is a moment where the junior officers are thumbing their nose at the military high command, uh, and this infuriates them. All eyes turn to the president. What does Goulart do? He sides with the demonstrating sailors, the protesting sailors, the ones who are arguing in support of this national agenda that Goulart is advancing. So this creates an incredible rift between Goulart and the high command of not just the Navy, but all of the armed forces who see the president condoning uh, this disobedience uh, on the part of junior officers. And it's not the only thing, of course, that leads to the coup only a few days later, but it certainly is one of them. Basically, that the high command of the armed forces have lost their faith in the president, that the president supports the military hierarchy. And this is a really grave infraction from their point of view on the part of the president. Now, 2021 Brazil is very different from 1964. So how comparable is that revolt to the Pazuello case? I mean, where do these cases meet and where do they differ? I would say there are at least two differences between the 1964 Sailors' Revolt and the much more recent case of Eduardo Pazuello in the Bolsonaro administration. The first is that but uh, General Pazuello is a general. He is at the top of the of the military hierarchy, whereas the sailors in 1964, generally speaking, were young men. They were junior officers. Um, and so the question in 1964 was uh, a breach in this military chain of command between young junior officers and their more senior officers telling them to basically cut it out, to stop their political uh, uh, demonstrations. Pazuelo is, inter- is a different case because he appeared uh, in this demonstration at the side of the president at a political rally. Um, and so he is being sort of judged by his peers. He is being punished or should be punished, according to the, the military's own rules, by his peers. So that's one difference is the rank involved here. The other, of course, uh, I think, is the proximity to the president himself. In 1964, these junior officers were pushing for broadly the agenda supported by Goulart, a sort of 
left-wing nationalist reformist agenda that the military hierarchy in many cases conflated with communism. And so they had their own reasons for opposing this agenda. But the main reason they put forward was military hierarchy, discipline, that this was the main infraction. Pazuello, of course, was named to his position as health minister by Bolsonaro. By all accounts, Bolsonaro went to bat to protect him from any kind of uh, disciplinary action after he appeared in the political rally. Um, and so he's much closer personally to the president than the sailors ever were to Galar. Of course, Galar steps in after the fact to help exonerate them, but they are not acting with the sort of direct political connection to the president as Pazuelo is. And, and I think that's very different. In some ways, in my, in my view, it makes the Pazuelo case much more grave because it signals a much deeper, uh, breach of hierarchy, because what we have now is a situation where a general is very, very close politically and personally with the president. It's not the president intervening because these sailors support his agenda. It's a political uh, and personal link that signals a much more complicated relationship between the president and the armed forces than I think we've seen in recent years. André, I'm going to ask you a question I asked Beatriz Hay earlier in this episode. Bolsonaro said in 2019 that democracy and freedom only exist in Brazil because the armed forces allow them to exist. How much of that statement is true? Because here we are talking about a possible insurrection next year. Are the armed forces still the country's ultimate power brokers? Recently, José Murilo de Carvalho, who is the foremost historian of the Brazilian armed forces, argued uh, regarding the Bolsonaro administration, that if there was not dissension within the armed forces up until this point, there is now after the Pazuelo incident. In other words, even if the military had largely agreed in its approach to Bolsonaro's administration, almost certainly, he argues, there is much disagreement about how to handle this latest uh, sort of crisis of military hierarchy. And I, the reason I think that that's important is because, you know, there is much discussion now about the military's involvement in the Bolsonaro administration. Uh, to what extent can the military remain a sort of neutral arbiter if it's as deeply invested and involved uh, in an administration like the current one to an extent that it has not been since the return of democracy in, in 1988? The military has never been as involved in the political process as they are now. So when Bolsonaro says, as he did during the campaign, that democracy is only possible uh, because of the military, because of the armed forces, I think he is misunderstanding or perhaps is revealing something about the way he sees democracy itself. Right? I think most people would say that the most important aspect of a democratic system is popular will, is popular support, is popular engagement. It's not uh, a sort of martial logic that sees society as constantly besieged. I think that's the way Bolsonaro sees uh, the system, sees Brazilian politics as constantly under threat from some kind of nefarious external force. Um, and this colors the way I think he has acted. He sees everything as a conspiracy against him. He sees everything as uh, potentially leading to uh, a, a disastrous outcome as he sees it. Um, and so I think this 
it's really a, a corrosive way of seeing uh, the role of the government in, in Brazil. And it's one that one worries has infected the Brazilian armed forces. If the Brazilian armed forces are going to once again play an important political role, um, it's really worrisome that they might take on the traces of Bolsonarismo, this kind of conspiratorial mindset, uh, to an extent that has always defined the Brazilian armed forces, this kind of anti-communist uh, paranoia that Brazil is constantly on the edge of some kind of great cataclysm. Uh, and this is really a, a worrisome development that, again, I think most people thought as recently as maybe five years ago, five, ten years ago, was behind us. If you like Explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.